Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all on a beautiful, it really is a beautiful Sunday morning. This is the third Sunday in the season of Lent. Uh, I get to preach today for the first time in Lent uh, on a passage from the Gospel of Luke that I'm excited about. Uh, Just one addition to what Alex had said on the announcement video. You can, if you want to uh, purchase Easter flowers in memory or in honor of someone, you are certainly welcome to do that online. Uh, If you would prefer to talk to somebody face-to-face, there will be a member of the worship committee in the narthex, uh, and they'll be on sale for, for, I think, three weeks? Is that right? Next three weeks? Okay. Is that that how far Easter is away? (laughs) Yeah, okay. All right. It's on my calendar, though, so we're we're good. Uh, All right. Again, uh, we're glad to be worshiping together. Uh, Now let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Good morning. I'm Reverend Stephanie Reed Meyer, pastor of Modern Worship. I invite you to stand as you are able, as together we lift our voices for a call to worship this morning. We are called here this morning to learn of Christ's healing love. Help us, O Lord, to learn your lessons of compassion. Every day, there are many ways in which we can offer help to others. Help us, O Lord, to be ready to reach out to all in need. Come, let us worship the one who prepares us for service. Let us sing our songs of praise to the one who has healed us. Amen. Please remain standing as you are able and join in the singing of our opening hymn, O Christ the Healer, verses 1, 2, and 5. Good morning, I'm Mike Flynn, pastor for Care Ministries here at Christ United. I invite you to join me in the Apostles' Creed as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, 
and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. be seated. So I want to begin today with a, a basic premise. Uh, I know that this may be an obvious point, and I'm guessing that we're all going to be on board with it, but I figured I'd go ahead and name it. Uh, my assumption is that, theologically speaking, Jesus is the most important person in each of our lives. Again, this is probably an obvious point, uh, since we all share a common faith in Christ, but being clear about this point is an important foundation for us all. There are some caveats, of course. Uh, we're all in different places on our spiritual journeys. Uh, each of us may emphasize or resonate more with different aspects of Christian theology. There are certainly differences of opinion among us about some parts of the Bible. Depending on how long we've been around, each of us has varying levels of commitment to and investment in our spiritual life. And there are no doubt some folks here today who are brand new to the church uh, who are just beginning to figure out what it means to be a Christian. But if we consider ourselves to be disciples of Christ, to be followers of Christ, to be among those who have placed their faith in Christ, then theologically speaking, uh, Jesus is the most important person in our lives because his example, his teachings, his life, his death, his resurrection, everything that Jesus was and is and will be shapes what we believe about God and what we believe about our relationship with God. It shapes what we believe about our relationships with each other. It shapes how we show up in the world. All of which means that from time to time, uh, it's good to reflect deeply on uh, just who he was and what he taught and what he did and how he lived and what all of that means for us as his disciples. That's our focus during this season of Lent. This is the third week of our sermon series, An Extraordinary Life, A Lenten Journey with Jesus. Throughout this season of preparation for Easter, uh, we're reading the story of Christ's ministry as told by the Gospel of Luke, which is the recommended lectionary gospel for this year. And uh, every week we're focusing on a different aspect of his life. We're actually following the story chronologically through the gospel. 
Our pastor of adult discipleship, Reverend Reagan Gilliland, uh, preached the first two weeks of this series. We began with the traditional reading for the first Sunday in Lent, which is the temptation of Christ in the wilderness uh, before his ministry began. And then last week, we read the story of Christ's first sermon at the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. Both those stories were actually in the, in the fourth chapter of Luke. Today, we're reading two consecutive stories of uh, Jesus' healing ministry from the fifth chapter of Luke, and we're going to read these one at a time. So our first reading for today is Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. Listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the evangelist Luke. Once, when Jesus was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy, When he saw Jesus, he bowed his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Then Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I do choose. Be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he ordered him to tell no one. Go, he said, and show yourself to the priest, and as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing for a testimony to them. But now, more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases, but he would withdraw to deserted places and pray. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as we're talking about this particular aspect of Jesus' ministry, we need to make uh, an important distinction between two related but not identical words. Theologically speaking, uh, healing and curing are not synonyms. Now, grammatically, at least in English, uh, we often use these two terms interchangeably, but when it comes to the ministry of Jesus, curing is really just uh, a part of what it means to be healed. To cure, of course, means to eliminate or to take away an ailment or an illness. And in our first story for today, it means that uh, a man came to Jesus quote-unquote, covered with leprosy, that's how the text puts it, and he went away without it. His leprosy was gone. He was cured. And Luke tells us that that word got around. Verse 15 makes clear that the crowds gathered to be cured of their diseases. In Greek, the word translated as cure there is uh, therapuo, as in therapeutic. In English, that word is frequently associated with medical remedies. But had I pointed this out before I read, you may have noticed that the man covered with leprosy actually did not ask for a cure. What he asked for was to be made clean. That's katharizo in Greek, as in catharsis, which is a word in English that's very much about emotional or spiritual health. It's the word in Greek that was used for being made ritually clean which meant that you were able to participate in the religious life of the community. Because you see, uh, there are two entire chapters of the law of Moses devoted to the problem of of leprosy. Uh, Leviticus 13 and 14 are all about leprosy. The term leprosy uh, was used for a wide range of skin ailments in the biblical era, from very mild to very severe, and yes, those were indeed physical diseases, but much more than that, leprosy was a social disease because it isolated the victim uh, from other people. Lepers were considered to be ritually 
unclean, and because of that fact, they were on the margins of society. They could not be touched by others. They were prevented from participating in religious services. What this man asks of Jesus is to be made clean. Yes, to be cured of his physical ailment, whatever that physical ailment was, but much more importantly, to be restored to full participation in the community, which is to say, Jesus' healing of this man goes far beyond the the simple, albeit important, cure of his skin disease. When Jesus reaches out and, and touches him, he actually violates the law. Jesus himself would have been made unclean at that point, but he's making a, a, a theological point here that compassion and kindness and love are more important than the restrictions of the law. Jesus was teaching by his actions that true healing requires more than a physical cure, that true healing has to include uh, breaking through the isolation that so often accompanies illness. And as I was thinking about that, it made me think of our care ministries here at Christ United. Our pastor of care ministries, Reverend Mike Flynn, along with our new um, assistant director of care ministries, Janet Scheibel, along with our incredible team of volunteers in care ministries, uh, offer a wide range of ministries that, that break through the isolation that too often accompanies illness and the death of a loved one. We have a prayer ministry, we have cancer support, we have grief support, we have Stephen ministry, we have pastoral care and counseling, we have lay chaplain ministry, we have assisted living ministry. That's just a partial list of everything that we do. The staff and volunteers in our care ministries visit those who are hospitalized. They deliver meals to uh, folks who are sick or recovering from illness. They provide hospitality for funerals. They provide compassionate spiritual care during life's valleys and hardships. They visit those who are unable to be physically present with their community of faith, uh, including some who are worshiping with us online this morning. Our care ministries uh, embody this truth that Jesus taught in our reading for today, that healing involves much more than a physical cure. To be sure, we, we trust our medical professionals to focus on the medicine. But as the church, we believe that the broader understanding of healing very much involves disciples caring for one another. And so if you are in need of our care ministries in any way and have not yet done so, I do hope you'll reach out to Mike. He's Mike at cumc.com or you can talk to him after the service. And just as importantly, if you feel called to volunteer in any way in our care ministries, you can go to cumc.com care to learn more. Uh, and then reach out to Mike or Janet and find out how you can serve. Okay, that's the first reading. Let's read uh, a little further in this chapter. This is uh, Luke 5, verses 17 to 26. Listen again, friends, for God's word. One day, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. 
When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, why do you raise such questions in your heart? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately he stood up before them, took what, had, what he had been lying on, and went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen strange things today. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, in the biblical era, there was thought to be a connection between sin and illness. Like if you were ill in some way, um, the assumption was that you had done something wrong and God was punishing you. That's part of what's going on with the forgiveness part of this passage. Obviously, we don't believe that anymore. So I'm just going to set that aside and focus on a couple of other things. Uh, this is a pretty famous story from Jesus' ministry. It appears in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include it in their account of the life of Jesus. And as I was reading it this time, uh, there were two particular details that I found striking. The first is that this man's healing was entirely the result of the persistence and advocacy of his friends. He never would have, would have gotten to Jesus were it not for his friend's commitment. I think that, that tells us something about how our healing is very much tied to our people, whoever our people may be. And you can talk to anyone who's battled a significant injury or illness, and they'll readily bear witness to this truth. We need the, the loving help of others if we're going to truly and completely heal. Every single one of us at one point or another in our lives uh, will need the kindness, the care, the compassion, the commitment of others. When we need healing, we need our family, we need our friends, we need our faith community. And, and this story makes that point in a powerful way, I think. The other thing that strikes me about this passage is a detail that is unique to Luke. As I said, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell this story. All three of them uh, note that the crowd reacts with amazement and awe at the healing of this man. Uh, all three of the Gospels say that they glorified God in response, all of which is understandable, of course. It was an incredible demonstration by Jesus of the power of God. The healing ministry of Christ deserves our amazement and awe. But only Luke gives us this fascinating detail. According to Luke, the crowd says, we have seen strange things today. Which means that the crowd watches this scene, uh, they watch committed friends go to extraordinary lengths to get someone they love to Jesus, and they watch this previously paralyzed man at Jesus' command stand up and walk home. <laughs> and their reaction to this incredible touching event is to say, hmm, boy, that was weird. That doesn't seem like a great reaction. I mean, uh, it may have been strange to some, 
that this thing happened. But to those of us who understand Jesus to be the most important person in our lives, it's actually not strange at all because it's what we expect from Jesus, right? We know that healing was an important part of his ministry. We know that Jesus heals even when, as is sometimes, maybe too often, tragically the case, we don't get the the medical cure that we so desperately hope for. It was near the end of our first year in Henrietta, back in 2011. I was just about to walk into the Good Friday service, so this time of year, roughly, uh, when my wife, Whitney, came into the office, my office uh, clearly distraught. She had just gotten word from Michigan that her dad was heading to the emergency room. Now, she had been in Ann Arbor earlier that week for his last lecture at the University of Michigan. Gary had taught industrial engineering for almost 40 years. He was finally retiring. He'd been talking about it for a while. He was super excited, of course. And she had noticed that he seemed off, uh, like something was bothering him. But she just kind of chalked it up to being in the midst of this major life transition. A few days later, a longtime friend noticed that his balance was shaky and that he had this unexplained confusion. And so he and my mother-in-law went to the hospital. And this series of tests over that weekend uh, confirmed the worst possible news. On Easter Sunday morning, he was diagnosed with stage 4 esophageal cancer that had already spread to his brain and to his bones. Uh, His prognosis was measured in months. And when we made the announcement in church, a longtime leader of the congregation, who had only known us for a few months at this point, mind you, uh, came up to Whitney after worship. I mean, she hadn't even gotten out of her pew when he stopped her and he said, what do you need? (laughs) Do you need plane tickets? Jerry asked her. You need me to preach for Chris for a while so y'all can go to Michigan? And at that announcement, just was the first of a long series of ways that the church supported us during this time. There was never any question that the church would do whatever they could to support us. Whitney and the boys spent most of that summer in Ann Arbor while I traveled back and forth when I could. Friends of the family spent that summer surrounding Whitney's parents uh, with love and support and food. And food, so much food. (laughs) You know how that goes. Looking back 11 years later now, uh, those long, difficult months are mostly a blur in my memory, but there are a few things that stand out so clearly in my mind. The first uh, is the incredible love and support of family, friends, and the church. Another is the fact that we all had a chance to tell Gary uh, what he meant to us and to say anything that had been left unsaid to that point. Not every family gets that gift, and I'm grateful for it. I remember the way that all of us, all of his people, so my mother-in-law and the kids and their spouses and the grandkids, uh, all gathered around his bed the night before he died, and we held hands and we named what we loved about him in what will always be one of the holiest moments of my life. He, He wasn't conscious by that point, but I have no doubt that he knew we were there. A few weeks before he died, I was sitting in the living room of their house in Ann Arbor. One morning, I was doing my my daily devotional routine, and Gary walked in. He sat next to me uh, in the chair, and he did something that he'd never done before. Now, he had always been very supportive of my call to ordained ministry. 
That's not always welcome news necessarily. Hey, uh, your son-in-law is going to be a preacher. Uh, but in his case, he, was, he welcomed it. Uh, he had been at my ordination. He always loved coming to uh, church when they visited. And after I had presided at my father, uh, brother-in-law's wedding, so his son, Whitney's middle brother, um, Gary asked me to do his funeral someday. And I said, not anytime soon, but sure. But we had never really talked about faith, <laughs> not until that moment. That morning we talked about God, we talked about the Bible, we talked about eternity. I asked him what really is kind of a, a pastor question. Uh, I asked what he believed about what comes after this life. He said, Chris, I, I believe in Jesus and I believe in heaven. I just don't necessarily believe everything the church says. I assured him that none of us does. <laughs> Not even those of us in the business. And at that moment, uh, I was at peace, that he was at peace about what comes next. And I had the honor of telling that story a few weeks later when I made good on my promise to him and preached his funeral. And I thanked uh, everyone who had packed the sanctuary of First United Methodist Church of Ann Arbor, the church where Whitney and I got married, the church where Gary had walked her down the aisle, for all the ways that they had shown love and kindness to our family during uh, you know, the worst possible time. Though most of that summer is a blur of heartache and sadness, uh, I'm grateful that the memories I do have of that time are really beautiful examples of healing. The, the emotional healing that comes through the love of family, friends, and the church when we show up for each other in the hardest times. That in and of itself is reason enough to be deeply involved in a church home, if you ask me the spiritual healing that comes with the assurance of knowing that what comes after this life is good. I'm talking about healing that abounds even when, when modern medicine is unable to provide the cure that we long for. And of course, it's the, it's the most important person in our lives who makes all that possible. <laughs> Friends, part of what made Jesus' life so extraordinary is that uh, he had and he has today and he will always have the power to heal us in a way that no one else can. For that, all we can say is thanks be to God. Amen.